This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 35, The Warrington Silverman. Risley is a sleepy little district in the northeast corner of Warrington, Cheshire, England. The site of one of the most prolific Royal Ordnance facilities during World War II, ROF Risley. In the years following the war, the site was repurposed for the headquarters of Great Britain's fledgling nuclear power and weapons program, known at the time as the Department of Atomic Energy. In 1962, having evolved into the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority, the Argonaut-class reactor went online shielded by five and a half feet of reinforced concrete. The highly enriched uranium metal-fueled reactor quickly became the nation's go-to laboratory for experiments in neutron activation. And it is here, on an all-but-vacant stretch of road, through the mostly derelict industrial district, that one man would have an encounter with something so shocking, so life-changing, so completely bizarre, that family and friends would agree that he never quite recovered. Police detectives and physicians involved would quickly come to agree that this experience, this exposure, would ultimately lead to the man's untimely death. A tragedy that may never have impacted the lives of the Edwards family if not for Ken's unexpected and unfortunate encounter with the Warrington Silver Man. Late on the night of March 17, 1978, Ken Edwards found himself headed home from a union meeting in Greater Manchester. It wasn't a lengthy drive, only about 15 miles, but he had indulged in a couple of drinks, and he found himself spacing off. More than once during the commute, he caught himself daydreaming before realizing that he couldn't quite recall the last mile or so. This was not customary for him. He normally considered himself to be the safest driver he knew. Alarmed by his own lack of focus, he cranked up the radio and rolled down the window to let in the cool spring air. Feeling reinvigorated, he increased speed and began to cruise through the mostly abandoned roads of the industrial park. To his left sat the hulking, brutalist structure known colloquially as the research reactor. The 12-foot chain link topped in razor wire was a dead giveaway that this facility was the only one in the neighborhood still doing business. The road ahead of him was lined on both sides by gently inclining concrete embankments. His eyes quickly glanced to the clock on his dashboard, 11.30 p.m. But how? 
He was certain that he had left his union meeting before 10.30. Where did the hour go? He couldn't recall being on the road for longer than 20 minutes. When his eyes finally found the road ahead of him again, he was startled to see something that was very much out of place. The last thing he would have expected to see was a man, but it appeared, at first, to be just that. He slowed his van and came to a stop about 50 feet from it. Now that he was stopped, the image before him became clearer. If this was a man, it was the largest man that he had ever seen in his life. Well over seven feet tall, maybe eight, and far more broad than any person had a right to be. As amazement began to swell inside of him, the hulking humanoid lumbered down the right-hand embankment and into the shine of his headlights. One detail stood out far more than any other. The formerly silhouetted specimen was silver, head to toe. He couldn't tell if it was some kind of suit, or if this creature before him was as otherworldly as the knot in his stomach felt. It seemed to be perpetually hunched over. Stiff, straight legs seemed to make navigating the slight incline of the embankment a Herculean task. Its arms were just as stiff, stretched out in front of it in a way that immediately brought Boris Karloff's Frankenstein to mind. He watched the figure make its awkward and heavy-footed way to the middle of the street, shielding his eyes from the reflection of his headlights on the high-gloss Goliath. From a three-quarter vantage point, the only break in the creature's silver color was its face. Solid black with two glowing red eyes. Immediately following this realization, the bulky brute slowly turned those eyes toward Edwards, who suddenly felt very vulnerable. The spectacle became very real with the realization that a mere 50 feet of road and his windshield were the only things between him and this being that was with every moment appearing less human and more monstrous. Locked in the being's ruby gaze, he began to sense his vision warbling, as if this entire visage were a mere mirage. The light emanating from the silver man's ocular cavities began to intensify. The light was so bright that tears began to stream down Ken's face. But he couldn't look away. Suddenly, two focused beams of energy burst through the shine and struck the front of the van. As the percussion of the impact rang out through the cabin, Edwards began to be overtaken by a crushing force. He was paralyzed. His breathing became very rapid and shallow, eyes flicking back and forth between the bizarre being in the road and the clock in his dash that seemed to be rolling through the minutes like seconds as he realized that he could not move any part of his body. As the pressure on his body approached its zenith, and he thought that he may pass out, the natural darkness of night seemed to overtake the otherworldly light once again. Pins and needles let him know that he could once again flex the muscles in his hands. He pried them from the steering wheel, and just had a moment to examine the bleeding holes in his palms from his fingernails when the van began to fill with the smell of burning plastic. Alarmed by the prospect of an electrical fire, he began frantically looking through the cabin of the van when his worst fears were confirmed, and acrid smoke began to pour in through the vents and the dashboard modules. 
He lunged across the passenger seat to roll down the other window, hoping that a cross breeze would allow him to escape smoke inhalation without having to remove the small amount of protection between him and the monster in the street. When the back of his hand brushed up against the door panel, stinging pain shot through his arm. With the window down, a quick assessment showed deep red blisters forming on the back of both hands. Trying not to panic, he picked up a stack of folded shop towels from the passenger seat, and movement from the road ahead of him drew his eye once more. The silver man had begun shuffling his way across the street once again. It was slowly and awkwardly making its way toward the fence surrounding the research reactor. It made its stiff-legged way up the left-hand embankment, and as it neared the fence it suddenly stiffened, as if it were attempting to stand upright. If the incredible events of the evening hadn't changed Ken Edwards' perception of reality, what he saw next certainly did. The Silver Man. Every muscle tensed in a clear show of effort to stand tall did not slow down or hesitate. It phased through the fence as if it were not there, and lumbered into the darkness beyond. Edwards was baffled. He couldn't begin to make sense of anything that had just happened. Temporarily paralyzed, this time mentally, he sat on the road for a few minutes in a futile attempt to comprehend his situation. Finally, with fingers crossed, he turned the ignition. The only thing that scared him more than what he had just endured was the idea of walking the final three miles to his home. In a stroke of luck uncharacteristic of the night he was having, the starter turned over and the engine roared into life. He drove directly home. It wasn't until he sat in his driveway trying to decide the best way to describe this evening to his waiting wife that he noticed the time on the clock. 3.50 a.m. He rationalized that the clock had to be broken. An electrical fire inside the dashboard could easily have caused this malfunction. This theory was quickly squashed by checking his wristwatch and the wall clock just inside his front door that both displayed the same time. Stronger evidence than that was his terrified wife sitting in the living room wondering what terrible tragedy could leave her husband unaccounted for for five hours after he had left his meeting 15 miles away. Upon his entrance, her relief was quickly masked by anger as she began demanding to know what had kept him. The anger did not last long. She immediately saw the horror and bewilderment in his face, hands wrapped in wet towels. They sat down in the kitchen, and she listened to him recount the story as he poured three fingers into a glass on the counter. Bizarre aspects aside, she took her husband's word that he had been attacked and insisted that they immediately drive to Padgate Police Station to report the incident. Two miles across town, Padgate Police Station sat quiet as most officers were inside, working to finalize the evening's reports. Sitting at the front desk in the deserted reception area was P.C. Harrison, a young officer who had recently come under scrutiny after an on-duty car accident. Because of this indiscretion, he'd been relegated to the boredom of desk duty. So there he sat, flipping a pen lazily back and forth from hand to hand, when the silence and boredom that had characterized the majority of his shift were finally broken, 
as Ken and Barbara Edwards burst through the front door. She recounted the unlikely encounter from start to finish as the young officer took notes at a frenzied pace. He was openly fascinated by what had occurred, but Ken spent the entire time standing just behind his wife, stubbornly staring at his own boots. After a few basic questions, PC Harrison made special note of the bandages covering the backs of Ken's hands and the traumatized look in his eye and rushed to inform his superior of the situation. It was less than two minutes later when PC Harrison and his sergeant returned to the lobby. The superior officer asked a series of questions in order to better understand the situation and asked the couple to wait just a moment while he made a phone call. Wait here. Soon the bullpen just beyond the double swinging doors lit up with the sounds of mobilization. The officers inside seemed to be preparing for battle. Armed with handcuffs, batons, and Kevlar vests, the buoyant bobbies poured out the rear exit and began finding their respective vehicles. Two officers returned to the lobby and asked the hesitant husband to join them on a trip back out to the laboratory. With a fair bit of ushering by his wife, Ken agreed and followed them to their police car. With the sergeant in the front car, a small convoy of police made their way west toward the atomic energy complex. Few would be surprised to find that the phone call made by the shift sergeant was to the head of that complex. What does surprise many, first of all the police, was that upon arrival, they were greeted by a team of over 20 security guards who had been immediately dispatched to walk the perimeter and search the grounds for intruders of any kind. They were startled to see a complete lack of surprise or panic or disbelief in the private patrollers. They forcefully demanded that Edwards point to the exact location of the breach. Edwards and the police spent the next 90 minutes watching on as the security force searched both sides of the fence and the grounds beyond for any sign of the illicit intruder. They repeatedly denied requests from the sergeant to allow them onto the grounds in order to aid in the search. After nearly two hours, they announced that nothing suspicious had been located and asked Edwards and his accompaniment to vacate the premises. Feeling quite dejected, Edwards called it a night. He met his wife back at the station before heading home to nurse his badly blistered hands. In the week after the accident, he found that sleeping no longer came easily to him. Whenever he attempted it, the quiet darkness soon filled with vivid images of the Silver Man. In addition to the chronic sleeplessness, he found that his hands were not healing the way that they were expected to. It would be several months before they began to heal at all. And even a year later, when his hands appeared to have healed completely, he still complained of aching, burning pain through his fingers. When he attempted to have the radio in his van repaired, the engineer who quoted that work said that the entire contents of the casing were destroyed by some kind of massive energy surge. It wasn't long after the encounter that local newspapers caught wind of the story. Suddenly, both Ken and Barbara were overrun every day by reporters and ufologists from all over Europe. The UFO enthusiasts worked to convince Ken that he had experienced a close encounter of the third kind. But he had always been a man who valued his privacy. The last thing that he wanted was recognition for this anomalous experience. 
he ignored requests from the press and ufological groups, attempting to wait out the novel interest. He just wanted to put this experience in the past. Tragically, the impact of this encounter would ultimately prove to defy the most dutiful denials. While the UKAEA refused to assist in their efforts, the police did continue with their investigation. The most noteworthy discovery was a patch of unnaturally flattened grass located at the top of the hill behind where Ken first spotted the Silver Man. Scattered around the circle, they found the bodies of several dead rabbits. An initial examination found no obvious cause of death for the alpine critters, and this led to speculation among investigators that they had been exposed to the same energy that caused Ken's burns and the damage to his vehicle. Soon, the police investigation hit a brick wall. With a complete lack of leads, they retired the case and moved on. Unfortunately, moving on was not so easy for Edwards, whose silver man-induced trauma was just beginning. Three weeks after the initial encounter, the couple were driving home from dinner out when their route home took them once again by the research reactor. As he approached the event site, his chest began to tighten. A cold sweat broke out on his brow as he attempted to flex the anxiety from his aching fingers. Just as he started to think the feeling was passing, he felt that familiar feeling of crushing paralysis overtake him. He was just able to pull the van to the side of the road and throw his door open. He slid out onto the ground in an attempt to escape the claustrophobic feeling inside the van. Much to his chagrin, the feeling only increased outside the van until finally he lost consciousness, just as Barbara made her way around the front of the vehicle. After several minutes of coaxing, she was able to revive him. The feeling had passed. They climbed back into the van and headed home, promising each other that they would avoid the facility from then on. A week later, Ken awoke in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. The heavy sound of electrical humming filled the room. He rolled out of bed and began searching their home for any possible source without success. Finally, he walked to the window over the kitchen sink and threw it open. The volume seemed to double in front of the open window, a vibration even more felt in his body than heard. He spent the rest of the night sitting in the bathroom with the shower running in an attempt to drown out the deafening noise. When it finally subsided several hours later, he found Barbara sitting in the den watching a news report. Seemed he had not been alone in his experience the previous night. Several locals had spotted a cigar-shaped UFO hovering over the atomic energy facility, accompanied by a low humming noise. The following six months would see Ken's health take a drastic turn for the worse. Crippling stomach cramps and significant weight loss became a part of his everyday life. After months of anguish, his wife finally convinced him to seek medical attention and quickly received the devastating diagnosis of renal cell carcinoma, cancer of the kidneys. After ongoing months of radiation and ultimately three separate kidney transplants, he lost his battle with cancer just before Christmas of 1982. So what happened that night in March of 1978? 
in a fashion familiar to those of you who are accustomed to the glow of our campfire. We are left with far more questions than answers. What was this mysterious and seemingly violent silver entity that crossed paths with Kenneth Edwards? Could this truly be a close encounter of the third kind? Was the silver man a pilot of some alien craft parked just up the hill? And were the burns on Ken's hands and his eventual death the result of an attack from another world? One thing is certain. There isn't a single person who spoke with Ken Edwards regarding this incident that questioned the upstanding nature of his character. A man known by all to be quiet, reserved, and honorable. A man who tragically found himself face to face with the Warrington Silver Man. Welcome campers to Campfire, Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. It's fucking debrief, dude. <laughs> now the debrief. <laughs> now the debrief. All right. I'm going to have to say I love this one. Anytime yeah. it involves aliens, an encounter, especially of the third kind, oh, I'm yeah. on board. Just sign me up, man. Sign me up. Yeah, those those actual like encounters with alien beings... It's hard to beat that, man. It's so hard to beat it. Yes, exactly. And I love that, like, the last couple episodes where we've involved aliens, it has been an actual yeah. like, significant encounter. So I, I dig the crap out of this. Like, this is awesome. Yeah, because um, the last one was the aerial school. The yeah, Rua, it was the Rua, right? Rua UFO yeah. incident. Yeah. So this is uh, this is different, though. And we've got we've got uh, Ken, dri- Ken and Barbie. Um, yep. So we've got Kit driving <laughs> driving down the road by this nuclear reactor and sees this giant silver man, which I don't know how else to describe him. Like he seems like this massive silver thing, silver being. Yeah. And now, the like, description was like nearly eight feet tall and at least four feet shoulder to shoulder. Jesus. Like fucking huge, dude. That is like extremely a massive. Yes. Yeah. That is not like that's not a gray. That's not a. That's not anything that we've no. seen before. Like, yeah, I mean, this is this is like. A, I mean, which I know we've had separate separate conversations. Which I, you know, maybe like maybe this is the the time to get into it, or we've talked okay. about like you know different beings of aliens being more so human, and right. being literally like armored, essentially, right? Armored. Sure. I think maybe it'd be the best word for it. And whatever yeah. they're wearing. This is a giant silver suit. But this guy is huge. Yeah, enormous. Like, he should play basketball or something. Like, yeah, I mean, that should... <laughs> Fucking basketball? Maybe he does. Maybe maybe there's this intergalactic, like, Space Force Alliance, like, you know, it's the UF uh, something, something or other AC. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You fucking nailed it, man. Yeah, uh, you're welcome. I just think it's funny that his shoulders are four feet wide and you thought basketball. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> he can play basketball and football. Like, he can play That's literally true. everything he wants to. I mean, this is a big ass dude. Yeah, enormous. Uh, the important bit about how big he is is I think it rules out the fa- the idea of this being a, a person in a suit. Right. In exactly. a silver suit. You this know? also rules out Eddie Gray's. This rules out, like, most species that were 
currently familiar, familiar with. with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But Definitely. extremely awesome, nonetheless. Like I Yeah, very I, cool image. Yeah, very cool. And I dig this like and it's also around this like crazy nuclear reactor that was like back I mean, this was developed what, after like World War World War Two and this like thing yep. is like built in this is the sixty well, sorry, the seventies that we're into. Yeah. This is built in what, nineteen sixty two, I think was the year. Yeah, it was um, like the the actual reactor went live in '62, and this yeah. is ten years yeah. later. Which I mean, that's a that's a nice big gap. But the yeah. thing that's very off putting to me is that like, and I know I'm skipping way ahead, but after like Ken and Barbie go into the the police station and basically like give this account, they're just like, "All right, dude, like you need to go home. You're drunk." No, they're just like, all right, well, just wait here. And they're like, you need to come with us. This is this is something yeah. that's going on. It was it was like that to me was. There's something more at play, obviously. Personally, I I got I've got to assume that they kind of just took the the weird parts of his story with a grain of salt. And what they really so? heard was. I think so. I think what they really heard was like someone is breaking into the nuclear facility. Okay. Okay. You know. Okay, Jordan. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I obviously I didn't. I didn't write this story. I didn't. I didn't do all the deep diving that you did. Um, sure. But like to me, as as an outsider, as a listener, it sounds like they're well, like they're well aware of something. Right, because they don't seem surprised. Right, they don't seem That's surprised the at all. There's an uproar that happens, like, and, you know, all these people getting their guns and all this other shit, like, you know, which, if you're aware of something and you're ready to defeat something, that's that's the type of, like, a, you know, reaction that I would expect. Yeah. And, yeah but it wasn't no. like, you know, like, we're going to hear your story and we're going to laugh at you, like, yeah, ha, 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 you're, you know, like, obviously don't know what you're talking about. No, these yeah. people like they're they're very receptive to it. As far as people as far as people who have had like alien encounters go, Ken Edwards received very little skepticism. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly what I'm saying, which is to me I find that I don't know, it's not it's not even weird. It's more like just bizarre which i guess is still kind of weird but yeah. like at the same time it's like it's like almost they were anticipating this they were yeah. waiting for See, the next passerby to like experiencing this that way they can get their shit going they're like we're ready like you know like right but it wasn't it wasn't like nobody like ridiculed him like nobody was like haha this is whatever no it was yeah. like they they were right on board they were ready to go and they i find that as like entirely different than most cases like this that you'd expect yeah see the part of that 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 actually that actually freaks me out is the response by the by the um the the administrators at the reactor the like the way that the the facility yeah. reacted was like they weren't surprised at all they were but, it was more like oh it got out or something like that. You know what I mean? It was also what, like a police chief or somebody that I would assume some somebody in that type of role. 
was the one that was like knew somebody at this nuclear reactor place. Yeah, the and that's sergeant. what he even said. Like you know, like he he already knew him. He like reached out to him, like let him know, like basically we're on our way, sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. is this like there's been another one, or is yeah. this like you know like something is happening? We need to get down to it. Yeah, that's that's fair. So, it could have been either. Right, exactly. Because right? you could definitely see that as him going back into his office and making that call, like, you let it out again? Like, you know what I mean? Come like, on, Brandon, what's wrong with you? Right. Exactly. Or, like, they're back. They're they're back again. Yeah. Yeah, they, that's yeah. That's how I saw it, too. Like, it, it seems strange that that's the kind of the reaction. Not yeah. like, I mean, it's not like there's not an uproar. They're just like, all right, let's go get it. Basically. Right. Just was a quick like measured the, response. Right. That was like the, that was the reaction I got, you know, that's the See, way that I that, understood it. That phone call could have just as easily been like, this is Sergeant so-and-so with the police. We've just received a report that someone breached your grounds and we're coming out to investigate. I mean, you know what if I mean? you're if you're dealing with a, a nuclear reactor, yeah, like yeah. I mean, there's no way to make that a subtle interaction, regardless, right? Like, there's no way to be yeah. like, "Hey, some somebody's trying to break in again," ha ha ha. Right. You know, like it's more like, yeah, like somebody's trying to break in. We need to stop this. But at the yeah. same time, I f- I feel like there was more to that than than what was said. Yeah, I mean, there very well could have been, for sure. So, like you so said, that's that's kind of my take, and that's that was kind of the biggest thing. Now, first of all, getting into this this being this like almost eight foot tall, yeah, four foot wide silver man, silver thing, right? And even like even explained it like it reflected off of his headlights so bright that he had to shield his eyes, right? Yeah, his eyes were watering because it was the yeah, light was exactly. so bright. So like. Is this an actual suit or is this like, I mean, well, I guess it still could be. It could be like some type of armor or something like that. Yeah, could be. Um, but to have it like that bright and like that significant. Yeah. To me is, is just kind of off-putting for sure. It seems odd, right? It seems like, especially for someone doing, you know, what is ostensibly like, um, covert actions to go and like infiltrate this nuclear facility is it seems like an odd outfit choice right right exactly yeah that's why i lean toward it being skin but also his face was black with red eyes Yeah. yeah yeah so that i think also adds to it being more of a skin as well right i mean yeah honestly who the fuck knows? Because this could be like a gray in a fucking Hulkbuster suit. Right. On right? stilts, like, apparently. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, what's the tallest gray that we've that we've we've seen? Like six I feet. Mean, yeah. If yeah, that. About human height. Right. Yeah. If, if that. Like, that's a stretch. For this I mean, to be I'm, like significantly taller. I mean, yeah, I know there's a lot of other species like this could be like. Something, I mean, this could be something even Mantid, like, related, right? But still, like, it doesn't sound like it from the description of everything. I don't know. Part of me thinks, like, the same way I think of, like, the Grafton monster, where, like, you know the scene in the Men in Black movies where, like, 
the we haven't talked the about person, them in black movies in a long right? time. <laughs> but like the person kind of opens up and it's a suit and there's a very small and there's alien a little yeah inside. exactly yes yeah. 100%, like it could be yeah. something like that. It could like, be. You're right. You're right. It could literally how, be like a. Yeah. It could just be like a, a like mech. a bodysuit. Yeah. That's, like a little dude in a mech. Yeah. That's. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Me too. It's a great visual. <laughs> I really. That's like how it. I like to think of the Grafton monster too. It's just like this big bulky thing that and just opens up of, and there's a right, little dude yeah. inside. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Uh, I'm. All right. Sold. Let's end this episode. <laughs> Man. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know if that's you know. I don't know if I buy that in this case. Um, sure, you know. But yeah, really weird. And the fact that it's around a nuclear reactor, like, it's not just like your everyday whatever. I mean, it's it's specific area that it's. I mean, we have to we have to take that into consideration. Yeah, like this, all this energy. This energy buildup that's off of this reactor that's like, I mean, imagine how much energy output, like throughput that is, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And the fact that this thing is, I mean, it's riding this high basically off of this thing. Yeah. And that's that's why I think like it's become, you know, it it's like not even fabricated, but it's like it's there. Like it's it's made itself aware, right? Yeah, because of how much energy is radiating off of this thing. Yeah, that's interesting. And I think that's I what think... A, a lot of this takes as well. A lot of like, especially when it comes to encounters, especially a third, fourth, whatever encounter. Like, I think a lot of it takes energy, energy buildup. And it's not just like something where you can just like turn on the radio and like, bam, fathom this thing. No, right. It's it's a lot more excess energy and a reactor that has this massive massive buildup of energy like that yeah. makes this thing more like it makes it more approachable right okay um and I, I think that's what a lot of it has to do with like maybe they're maybe they're looking for something specific maybe it was looking for something specific um it's looking for you know and and this could be like this is speculation obviously sure sure Maybe it's looking for energy for its craft or something that can, like, get it home or something. And, and again, it's just whatever yeah. kind of ideas. But, like, you have this massive uh, that a nuclear reactor resonates and creates. It's more than anybody could even comprehend. Yeah, it definitely is. And, so, you know, there's, there's a long history of, of UFO activity being at least like tangentially connected to nuclear facilities like it's basically a pretty pretty broadly accepted concept that the ufo phenomenon experienced a huge uptick once we split the atom once we got to the point where we were like using nuclear energy yeah right? exactly that's and, and that's what i'm saying yeah like that's, that's kind of what i'm getting at which could be which could be them thinking of it as like as a a possible energy source something they can pull energy from or it could be that these alien species are like oh jesus the chimps figured it out i was going to say like, maybe they're seeing it as a fuel source yeah it could be or it could be that like i said like that they feel the need to intervene now that we you know once we figured out 
this enormously destructive power, you know? I mean, that's possible too. Like, but like, I mean, I think back to specifically our Grey's encounter in the forties. Um, think about Roswell, right? You know, like, and all these things like that we've, we've worked with these species to develop mil and like military tech that we never would have fathomed is even possible that we now have access to. We had access to back then, you know, and that's, that's where I also like, I think like, I don't know that it'd be such a stretch for them to be like, Oh, this is like, they, you know, like, I don't know that it'd be something where like, they're trying to stop us from, from being like, we finally discovered this or that, like, you know, because okay. they've given us these insights to all these different texts and all these different things that we now have and use. Now, counterpoint, which is one could ar- it could fairly easily argue that advancement in military technology has actually made the world a more peaceful place. Like, because with the rise of of superpowered weaponry. Right. We started we started developing mutually assured destruction with enemies. And it's basically put a stop to large scale warfare. So But at the same then, time every week we're at war with somebody else. Right. But you know, not on a scale like World War Two, not on a scale like the time period when we first started developing nuclear weapons. I mean, yeah, I suppose you're right. Yeah. Compared to nineteen forty five the world is peaceful. Oh yeah, because at that point, and again, getting back into our, you know, and a lot, a lot of people may not buy it. Like a lot of people may may not see as Roswell, which you know I know we haven't talked a whole lot about, but yeah, not seeing Roswell as a means of the U.S. basically getting a step forward. But we did, we did a hundred percent. You know, and that's that's one thing that, like, yeah, I mean, I I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm trying to think of the best way to put it, um, but I'm not gonna like you know argue war to an uh, to an extent saying like you know like we we have this or we have that like whatever else right, but I think you're definitely right in the sense that like especially compared to a lot of the shit that happened here was all World War II based. Yeah. And this was built as a means after World War II. Yeah. And um, think of the giant step that we made World War II on. Yeah. Was huge. Yeah. And we know why. (laughs) Apparently we know why. I'm just saying we know why. Know, we will eventually cover those like heavy hitter episodes like Roswell, but like those those incidents to me require like massive deep dives. Like when oh, we do gonna, them, I want to take a lot them. of deep dives because there's going to be a lot of arguments. Yeah, and yeah, for sure. but I'm fully again fully on the the you know that whole like and as we've talked about, we've talked about it with other people as well, like on on other shows that like. Especially Roswell, Area 51, or whatever you, whatever you want to get into. 
like was a means to what was originally basically just an air force base that became part of a secret base that we house aliens we literally house extraterrestrials and i i'm not going to say aliens i'm I'm going to say that once and use that as like a derogatory term like it's it's like a derogatory term rather um you know just because like that's not all that's there like it's not just aliens it's species just like as humans we have multiple species that's Um, yeah that's the word on the street i don't i don't (laughs) fucking know what's at area 51 i don't i'm not convinced yet oh all right we will get there listeners we will get there and you best be ready so that's all i'm gonna say there's (laughs) there's a super weird detail about the silver man okay so yeah. his arms, his arms are very odd because they don't, in in the guy's, in the witness description, he says that the arms don't come from the shoulders. They come like almost out of where like pec muscles would be, like out of the front of the thing's chest. Maybe he's just like a very like, he's a bodybuilder one. You know, he like this dude, up so much that they grew arms. This dude can bench over over nine thousand. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, that's what gives him the like Frankenstein look, right? That he has these arms sticking straight out forward, and they're just kind of like hanging in front of him. Yeah, that's it's, fair. That's fair. Yeah, it's very odd. It's not human. I mean, yeah, you know that's I mean? definitely not human. But I mean, also look at bodybuilders. They're not human either. <laughs> Aw. They have feelings. And they have feelings, <laughs> but I mean, there's no way that that's real. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to piss a lot of people off today. <laughs> no, like, I just think it's funny that, like, Two guys who sit in chairs for a living are sitting here going, oh, like, I know. you can't get that fit. <laughs> That's not possible. I'm just wondering why my body's becoming so weak. No wonder. <laughs> right? Yeah. No, no I, but- I, I mean, I just like, I feel like they're like T-Rexes. Like, you know, they got a little tiny... Yeah. That's kind of how that's kind of how the Silverman was described. I think he actually exactly. used that's like what the I'm arms saying. forward like a T-Rex. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. And you have all these bodybuilders that like are looking the same way too. <laughs> okay, so there was a rumor. <laughs> there was there was a rumor that okay, right, so yes. nearby actually if you cut across the field that the Silverman supposedly came from, you eventually after like I don't know, four or 500 yards, you get to this, this dormitory where they were at the time running an experiment on circadian rhythms with college students where they had college students kind of locked in and isolated to study the effects on sleep that isolation has. Right. Okay. So, so they were running this study. Sleep studies that. Yeah. But they had, they were like long term keeping them separated and isolated and affecting and examining how it affected their sleep patterns. Right. Was it like different environmental settings or just no, like. No, it was literally just isolation. Okay. Like the effects of isolation on sleep patterns. And the 
a fellow who worked at the facility, actually in their firehouse, um, he supposedly, a few years later, said that he was playing a prank on the children or the college students in the dorm that night. And he was the silver man. And he, yeah, he claimed to be the silver man. Really? Yeah. But the guy is, I mean, they even like tried to duplicate it for, for, um, Ken. They tried to like reenact what he saw with the guy. And he was like, yeah, that's definitely not anything like what I saw. So do you think this guy was basically told by the government, you will pretend to be this. And if you do not succeed, we will do away with you. You mean the the guy who said he was the silver man? Was the silver man, yeah. I don't know. Maybe. Because I think that'd be the lightest way. Because I mean, government government interaction, whether men in black are part of that or not, or a, a secondary force, do these types of things. You know, it's, yeah. it's known that they do these types of things where it's like you basically say anything about it and you're donezo right. as a way like, of putting it that right, will like make it so harsh for the show. Right. Um, yes. But like, do you think that was maybe the way that this guy was approached? Like maybe. maybe he was forced into this possibly. It could be. Yeah. It okay. could be that like they were like, we need someone to come out and say like, oh, it was a hoax or it was a prank. Right, exactly. Just to get people to write it off. And what what bothers me about this the most is they give they gave this guy the nickname Big John, right? Like that had always been his nickname so that you're like, "Oh, he must be a big guy, right?" Cuz obviously the silver man was enormous. Right, he was so like, eight like eight oh, feet tall or something yeah. like that. Yeah. But this guy is seriously like our height. He's like 6 feet tall. Okay. And he's not four feet wide. That's for damn sure. Maybe on stilts. He looks like a normal guy. He just looks like a normal guy. Okay. But in all that's, the articles, hmm. especially ones written by like from the skeptical position, they're like, right. they always make sure and go like, this guy nicknamed Big John for his size. And it's like, he's a fucking normal guy. He's like that's six a feet of, tall, 200 A way 200 of like pounds. literally pawning it off, basically. Yes. I don't like that. I don't like that whatsoever. I don't buy it. Yeah, it bothers me. It, I don't I don't buy the the prank story at all. Plus the police literally found like the circle of flattened grass at the top of the hill. That's classic right. like that was landing another one. zone. Exactly. Yes. Landing zone, like it could be like I mean, we're obviously not looking at like crop circles or anything, but like right. still like I mean a very f- widespread affected area. Yep. By something. And you can't just go trample over some fucking some like stuff and like just expect it to have the same results. No, not at all. The police report specifically said unnaturally flattened grass, like a circle of unnaturally flattened grass. And it was surrounded by dead rabbits. (sighs) Our work cut out for us. It's, It's very odd. Yeah, no doubt. That's. I don't I don't buy that at all. Like that's super silly. And that the way the like but again, that's that whole cover like that cover up thing, like, you know, that people buy into and that's the way to like make things appear not as bad as what they are, right? It's like 
Just like in your rearview mirror, like things may appear closer than they actually are. Right. Um, or like your side mirrors or whatever. Like, you know, encounters it's like may appear whole... closer than they are. Exactly. It's that, it's that same <laughs> yeah. concept. Exactly. Yeah. It's just the way that you look at it. And then the way that anybody else can manipulate that to seem to alter your perception of it. Yeah. And the flattened grass, the dead rabbits, the burns that he experienced. Okay, let's say Big John was in a fucking radiation suit and walked across the street. How did he induce, like, a full anxiety attack, panic attack? Right. Because I, I definitely write off the, like, paralyzing feeling, all that. That's definitely an anxiety attack. That's 100% a panic attack. But yeah, I agree with panic that. Panic attacks sure. don't. But panic attacks don't blister the skin on your hands. No, not at all. You know what I mean? They also don't cause you to develop, you know, like this this cancerous yeah. form that this guy has developed. Like, and I mean, yeah, that's that's over the course of years. But whatever, regardless. I mean, it all started then, though, when exactly. he started feeling sick. This he moment. started like having blackouts. He started all this shit. Is yeah, I don't, I don't buy, I don't turn. buy any of that. I don't buy it at all. Now, there is. One, there is one skeptical explanation that almost makes sense to me, which is okay. that he that he was exposed to a minor radiation leak. That that was what he. I mean, being that close to near nuclear reactor, yeah, that's possible. Yeah, but in this area, what about everybody else that was there? There's hundreds of workers. I mean, maybe that's areas. why the silver man was. Was in a radiation suit, right? I mean, what just about to play devil's else? advocate. I mean, a small radiation leak. You know what I mean? Maybe it was localized. I, maybe. I'm I'm just grasping at straws trying to play devil's advocate. But, like, I'm trying to think of something that would explain the burns and the the dizziness and the, you know what I mean, the and the eventual but, cancer. Imagine the amount of radiation he would have had to have been exposed to would have been a lot more than because he's not right up on the reactor. No, he's in the area like he's in the within blocks. Yeah. I mean, it obviously so, wouldn't have been like a full meltdown and I'm not a nuclear engineer, so I'm not sure like where, you know, conduits are run and where, you know what I mean? Like where things right, could but, fail. But like, I I just, yeah, I don't see that as plausible. That's just the closest to it making sense of Other, an actual explanation. Yeah. Explanation, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For me, I, that's, I understand yeah. for sure. For me, that's the closest. But, but I, I just don't. I don't I wholeheartedly. Think it's I wholeheartedly yeah. lean toward this being a close encounter of the third kind. I think I agree. Legitimately, I think he legitimately encountered alien life. I mean, I mean, imagine so all these all these previous reports that we've we've talked about in previous episodes. Yeah, a lot of these ships or craft and things like that expose a large amount of radiation. First of all, yeah, um, and these areas that they've they've been and they've touched down have left a lasting impact when it comes to radiation. Right. 
to where you being like, a couple blocks from a nuclear reactor, yeah, you're gonna miss some. There's gonna be some that's always gonna escape, but it's yeah. never gonna be detrimental enough to be like, you know, to be something that'd be, you know, as as like major as, um, some some areas, right? Right. And but it's never gonna be as specific in this case, I don't think, at least. And I, I again, neither one of us are. You know, that's not what we do, or, you know, we don't know that 100%, and maybe listeners yeah. can also school us on it. That's great. Yeah. But, like, I would never think it would have, like, the lasting impact that, like, Chernobyl has. No, certainly not. Or it's killed hundreds of hundreds of people within a short-scale radius that, like, in order to cause this much damage to one single person would have to be so spectacular. Yeah. As as a thing like Chernobyl, you know, and I use that as very, an example, right? Yeah, it would have to be very focused too. Exactly, right? Like, which is what that's what what pulls me back from that theory really is how like how focused it would have to be. And again, if by some chance someone that listens to this show is a nuclear engineer, please send us an email. I would love like, that. Yeah, I yeah. love it. We'll do a whole episode on it. Like, tell us For all about sure. it. Like, yeah. We'll break down every single aspect of all of this. Like, if there's some explanation, but yeah. there's not. There's no. There's not. There's not at all. Like, there's no way to literally describe some some single person, some single being, in such a short scale. That's not like not up on the front lines, basically. You know, enduring all of this. Yeah, I, I just think it's impossible. But I'd love to know otherwise. Yeah, it would. I mean, it, with my limited understanding, it it would seem strange to me for one person to be exposed in that like finite of a of a space. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, exactly. Yeah, that, that seems odd to me. The only other theory that that I play, I've been playing around with in my head, than aliens is, of course, ultra terrestrial. Okay. Okay, so but you're primarily, still alien life. Ultra terrestrial is still alien life. Doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the interdimensional, the idea of this being an interdimensional traveler, um, kind of like rang true with me because of the like hunched. It, it was almost like the way you see astronauts trying to adjust to the gravity on the moon. You know, like. But Imagine, didn't he, like, like, straighten his body in order to walk through this fence? Yeah, but he had to, like, strain to do it. Right. So I think of something that might not have been, like, accustomed to our our planet's gravity, which I guess could play extraterrestrial or ultra-terrestrial, right? But, I mean, how can you explain an ultra-terrestrial, literally, let's say, like, secondary universe or whatever else? Sure. Being able to literally straighten their bodies enough to be able to walk through a physical object. I mean, he phased through the fence, which is ultra terrestrial 101. Yeah. Right? I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know if I, if I just wrote it weird, but like, he didn't like, stretch up and like shrink enough to walk through the fence like he just stood upright and then phased through the fence right which screams ultra terrestrial to me almost like teleporting through a physical object yep okay 
Yeah. Yeah, I'm. Hmm. Man, it's such a it's such a difficult situation. Like, it's hard to really describe it. It's a weird case. Like, and I, I still think, like, even as an old terrestrial or whatever, an, an additional being, doesn't matter, like, where they're from. Sure. Like, being able to just phase through an object. But, I mean, with alien life, I can see that being a thing. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, that's ignorant. Like an, maybe that's, may- I don't know, maybe that's ignorant to say. Like, I mean, you know. maybe that's onboard tech in the suit. You know what I mean? That allows them to do True. that. True. Exactly. Yeah. It very well could be. Yeah. If yeah. Something that allows you to like basically skip through time and space. Sure. And to like as a means to base almost like teleporting yeah. to another area. I mean, that's some X-Men shit. Just walking through fences. I mean, yeah, that's. Hmm. The, the other it's a really thing cool that, concept regardless it like it'd it really be awesome is. to be able to do yeah the other thing that really got me about this case was that or that made this stand out in the you know ocean of alien encounters is how violent and aggressive this thing was yeah i mean it did like what to like blast to this guy's like van and yeah and fucking melted I mean, his hands and Exactly, and those blasts, like, I, I took them as, like, physical, like, yes, crunching this thing together, basically. Yeah. Like, because he also I, talks about, like, how compact he feels at that point, and, like, you know. Yeah. See, because the red eyes, I imagine that these, like, focused energy beams are also red, so I couldn't help, again, an X-Men reference and think about Cyclops. <laughs> yeah. Like just it just blasts these like two red beams out of its eyes, and hits the front of the van, and it like. But wouldn't that generally just cut through it? I mean, if it was Cyclops, but I don't know what this energy was. Okay. Right. Okay. Um, but it definitely like at least melted some shit in the dashboard of the truck and melted his hands. Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, his hands like that was like one of the the biggest last. And you said you said that it was like it took almost a year to like get yeah. over basically. Yep. And even that, like, he still experienced like problems with them. Yeah. For the rest of his that life. lasting impact that it was is always going to stay with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's that like he talked about how the doctors were baffled by like it was months and months before they even started to heal. Yeah. Like. Yeah, and doctors were were confounded by that. Like, yeah, that's they crazy. Explain why they weren't healing. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. It's weird shit. Like, I don't know. It's definitely but, a, a strange, a, a strange situation. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, as much as like, as much as I can, you know, we can speculate. I still, I still buy it as something, something alien, something. Yeah. I, I think so too. And I think something you know. that we haven't really seen much of, if any, outside of this case, because like you alluded to before, based on the physical description, it's certainly not a gray, but like even more so, it confirms to me that it's not like a gray in a big suit or whatever because of how aggressive and violent it was. Right. I was going to say, and it's going to, it's going to literally. Half of the species that we quote unquote know about 
and sure. and uh, regardless of whether our readers of our listeners sorry have like investigated that much read into that much there we go that's what i was trying to get at yeah um but i mean there's even blues as well yeah. that like are pretty similar to the way that this thing is described but not as like physical not as violent okay so like that's where like i like i immediately think of like mantids and things like that that are yeah that are supposedly more aggressive and violent toward humans right but then you also have shapeshifters which are basically mantids to another degree okay so See, that's like alien fan fiction is definitely your realm i, I know right. very little about it so i'm yeah i'm not sure how to characterize this guy it's it's difficult to do. It's definitely difficult to do. Um, like, does the physical description even come close to any that you've been familiar with? As a mix between a gray and immediately, I want to I want to think something mantid or reptilian. Okay. Like, I mean, that's that's the immediate thing, and I think of like how violent and thing and things like that it is. Immediately, scream mantid and reptilian, because reptilians are very like. They're they're either combative or they're non-combative, right? Okay. So and that's why that's why like you know a lot of people will say like in and as our day to day we have all these reptilians that are sure. in modern society, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, because that's that is how it goes. Like they're either very extremely violent or they're very extremely like. Are they political aspirations? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> <laughs> One yeah. or the other. And mantids are just gross, gross to a extreme degree because they're like they don't give two shits about anything. Yeah, they're there for their own like literal like. Um, I'm trying to think of the best word for it, but basically like they're they're there for themselves and no one else. Right? Do they like eat people? Um, there there's some speculation whether they do or not. Awesome. And I don't know. I don't know. I like, you know, I can, yeah. I can say like, yeah, there's been some reports of it, but some like literally that are not like, it's not that it's not that extreme. Right. Sure. And I'm, and there's probably somebody else that's listening. It's gonna be like, you're silly as shit. And you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. Because again, there, I hear lots of different reports of these things. Like, you know, and they're, they're, but they're also some of the most estranged, like, self-centered and literally focus on their own race than any other type of species that we know of. Gotcha. And that's why they're literally the freaking bug people. Like right, they're, they're the bad guys. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're like, I don't know if you've ever played world of Warcraft, but like, I mean, I know you that you have, but yeah, like yeah. our listeners, like if you think of like mantid people, like think of the Klaxi. Like they're they're that gross. Okay, I understand. Um, you know, so like it's it's that's very, that's the best way to describe a like a mantid race that I can think of. Like they're just they're literally. I mean, that's what they care about. They're they're themselves, and that's it. Yeah. Um, okay. And listeners, if if you if this thing, this silver man's physicality and attitude matches any races that you're familiar with please oh, let yeah, us know without a doubt yes i would love to i would love to learn more like 
I mean, I'm constantly trying to learn like every single race and things like about these things that I can, but like, mm-hmm. I don't think we're ever going to get like a, a distinct, like very like, you know, like focus other than everything that's in project blue book and like things like that. Right. There's never going to yeah. be like a Bible that's like every single race that you can think of to the T everybody poops. Right. Like, it's not going to be like that. Like, you know, like, so, I mean, if other people know stuff, like definitely, there's no go to manual. Let's, yeah. let's talk about it. That's awesome. Yeah. Or if you have any theory whatsoever about what this thing might be, let us know. Like, reach out on Instagram, send us an email, reach out on Twitter, whatever you want to do. Let us know. Because I'm I definitely, stumped. I think it's a shapeshifter, though. You think so? I do. 100%. I mean, that seems like sort of an easy way out to me. Like, this doesn't yeah, look like anything but else. But there's a so lot of races that can do so. Okay. Including the Mantids. You should probably just believe in Braxy then, in the Flatwoods monster, and just yeah. assume that was a shapeshifter. <laughs> As this. No, no, no. <laughs> Let's not get into it. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to keep For all the people who love forever. Flatwoods monster, I heart you too. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I don't. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so. Final, um, final verdict. What do you, you think it's a shapeshifter? I honestly, I do. Yeah. And it could be a series of different, different races. It could be ultra terrestrial for sure. Yeah. Like, I think this is definitely ultra terrestrial territory for sure. Okay. Um, and I'm normally not on that boat. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm there today though. That's awesome. Like, I think that's, that's very well, uh, a possibility. Um, I don't think it's just a normal, normal day to day human at all. I don't, I don't think that at all. Um, and the amount of like radiation and things like that, that this, that Ken, uh, from Ken and Barbie got to endure. Like I, Barbara, sorry, (laughs) they're coming for you, Barbara. Um, (laughs) no, I don't, I don't think the amount of like amount of stuff that he had to endure was, was nearly enough from a nuclear reactor a couple blocks away. Yeah. There's absolutely no way, literally yeah. no way. See, that's another big thing is when you say that this happened outside of a nuclear facility, it's easy for people to get the idea that he was close to it. But right. these facilities but not that close. No, these facilities are fucking massive. I yeah, mean, exactly. enormous. That that reactor core is nowhere near that public street. I mean, that could easily be a mile or two away. Yes. Yes. Right. Exactly. Yeah, but you could still hear the hum of it from the... I mean, you could le- literally hear that from the freeway, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. We didn't even talk about the sighting, the UFO sighting, like, two weeks later <laughs> over the damn facility. True. That's right. Yeah. All, all the people that, like, heard this hum yeah. and that saw this, like... Uh, Cigar-shaped saucer, UFO. C- Cigar-shaped yeah. UFO. Right. Yeah. Hovering so, I mean, right that over. right there, people, should tell you, come on, get on Boom. our level, right? i told that totally spaced my i know i did too i did too we got talking about like this and that like yeah yeah uh but no that gives it that much more credence like that much more like of an explanation yeah this is not something it's it's extremely something otherworldly i agree i agree wholeheartedly like and it's funny that this time you're finally leaning ultra terrestrial because i'm pretty strongly leaning extraterrestrial like I think this is straight up 
visitors know, from another planet. I, I, I'm I'm there, but at the same time, like, like I said, I I've already given my examples of what it could be if it's if it's yeah. alien based, right? Yeah, of course. But we get into that sticky argument that's always like ultraterrestrials are still alien based. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and why does their means of travel change? Like you think of them as one and the same. Right. Yeah. I mean, or at most, least falling most of the time under the I do. same umbrella. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, with the UFO sighting a couple weeks later, like I think that obviously shows that there was some interest from, you know, outside parties, let's call them mm-hmm. in, in this reactor. And I think it and just think, backs up the this sighting, this encounter. Yes, exactly. And I think like maybe it was a means of this particular specific person or being trying to maybe get home and they're looking for a specific amount of energy that only can be found in a nuclear reactor. Sure. So that's why they're there. Like I mean, there's a lot of explanations we could give for this. We could literally speculate all day long, I think. Yeah, yeah. We could write a screenplay. We love doing that. Exactly. Exactly. Like, so I like yeah, the idea I, of this like wayward agreed. you know, warrior, this otherworldly soldier who's like basically runs out of gas on his way home, right? Poor guy. And like <laughs> poor guy. Um <laughs> But like like you were talking about earlier, the like um, technology exchange or the gift of technology that was given to to pe- to human beings since the forties, right? So like, yes, who's to say that all this that all this um, interest that we've seen UFOs seeming to have on nuclear facilities, and maybe they didn't strike a deal that like will help you up your tech game if we can use your your facilities as like a fueling station. I don't. I don't think that was ever even a ever, ever even a thing. Exactly. Yeah. I don't. I don't think that was part of the deal. Yeah. It was more so. And I, I don't. I, 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 we've got. We don't have enough time for this. <laughs> okay. But I think it was more so like we will do everything we can to end your life unless you are willing to help ours. Basically, help ours. Like. You know, it never came down to like, this is the nitty gritty. Like, we're going to give you exchange for fuel like this or that. They exchanged human life is what they did. They agreed to so many humans per year that they could that they could take with them. And do like experiments, like things like that, like literally just study on how they could be the superior race. Like, because because aliens, alien life, uh, um, aliens, alien life is the future. We are the present. I'm trying to I'm trying to wrap my head around that. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That's just a mind fuck right there. Fucking Ryan dropping truth bombs. <laughs> <laughs> well, seriously. I Alien mean, life have... is the future and our current human civilization is the present. I mean, do you mean that like do you mean that literally like maybe these alien beings come i from think the that's future? the route that we are going as a human civilization i see i see, I see. so I, like yeah, i mean off earth life that's why i said i can talk about this is, all day because gotcha, if gotcha, we get gotcha. into like this stuff yeah and maybe we need to do an episode where we literally just get into this like talking about like getting deep di- like deep diving into this sure 
it's not it's not i mean i'm not like you know like it's not like whatever um you know like that like that whole thing but i think like and uh, there's words i don't want to say because i think they're trigger words okay all right um but it's it's more so like i think like we as a human race need to stop with our bullshit because these alien civilizations and races and things like that are the future. And I think a lot of these types of things that we become to know, we come to know about aliens are literally the human race in the future. Nailed it. I think yeah. no, I think that's a solid possibility that alien visitors are are human beings from the future. To an extent. I mean, there's obviously different races. There sure. there has to be. Yeah, like, just maybe. like there's different races of human beings. Like, yeah. I mean, that would be extremely ignorant to I think mean, otherwise. Maybe in the future, human beings go off world and populate different planets. And the evolutionary oh, line is... It. The I evolutionary line is split, right? So they start to yes. appear different. They start to evolve differently. Oh, you are speaking my language Maybe now. they're Maybe they're all human beings. It. At their core. Exactly. At yeah. the core. Yep. Interesting. That's a conversation for another day. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think. So, Silverman, you're go- you're leaning ultra-terrestrial, right? Ultra-terrestrial. I th- I, yeah, I, okay. I'm on board, for sure. Yeah. All right. I'm leaning straight up, nuts and bolts. E.T. Act- yep, E.T. Yep. Awesome. Okay, cool. All right. I dig it. These, this is different. This is way different. Yeah, wow. <laughs> it's definitely. We usually awesome. do not lean these okay. ways. All right. And that concludes... Episode 35, The Warrington Silverman. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. And if you want more, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling it's there you will find bonus content behind the scenes we're just keeping up on our day-to-day and maybe some swag along the way it is our way to show thanks for your support and do everything we can to provide you with as much content as possible again that's patreon.com forward slash campfire tales of the strange and unsettling With that said, we want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials at campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And lastly, we do have our merch store. You can find the link available on all of our social media or via our link tree. Show your support. Buy a shirt. Buy a sticker. Buy a blanket. Buy a pillow. Anything that you want to rep Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram. The brilliant mind behind the gorgeous music that you hear each week behind the debrief. So go find him at reverentmusic.bandcamp.com or you can visit his Spotify page by searching Reverent R-E-V-E-R-E-N-T 
All of these links can be found in the episode description. Go and support him. You both deserve it. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.